Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Ashley Klein. Ashley is the co-founder and vice president of Ice Cream Social, an innovative social invite tool designed to multiply a business's customer base by encouraging existing clients to bring in their acquaintances using state-of-the-art social invite features. For the last 18 years, Ashley has been a digital marketing strategist where she's been instrumental in devising strategies that allow businesses to effectively harness social media channels from influencer marketing to content development and event marketing. She also holds the role of Executive Vice President of Client Strategy at TicketSocket, the parent company of Ice Cream Social, a leading white-label ticketing and registration platform behind several renowned events like Spartan Race, USA Triathlon, Meow Wolf, and The Color Run. Today, Ashley and I are going to be diving deep into the intricacies of digital marketing. We're going to learn what works from Ashley's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses just miss the mark. Ashley, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Stacy. I have to say, you have a radio voice of an angel. Well, thank you. I never, yes. thank you. I do appreciate that. Very soothing. Well, what I would love to start us off with is, how did you get here today? You have been doing digital marketing and social media marketing for quite some time, and I know event marketing is your go-to right now, but what made you decide this was the world you wanted to live and play in? Sure. Two things. One, the only class I got a good grade in in high school was marketing. So it's- At least your high school had a marketing class. I mean, how cool is that? That okay. is cool. When I went to high school, there was no marketing classes. There was European history. Yeah. I grew up in a very small town, so it's also very surprising that we had a marketing class, but we did. And it was the only class I did pretty well in. And two, I learned right out of high school, uh, as I started getting into marketing, that marketing is a lot like a video game. And I loved playing video games growing up. And my brother and I really only had one or two video games, uh, Mario Brothers fan over here. And once you beat the game, you have to learn how to keep it interesting because you're playing it over and over again. So we would optimize things and, you know, say, okay, let's see how many coins we can get this round or how quickly can we beat the game? And I have found that to me, that's a lot like marketing. Once you get a campaign up and going now, how can you tinker with it to continue to create that success over and over? That's smart because a lot of people approach it of, okay, I got it out the door. It's there. It's live. On to the next and they never go back and really like dial in on all the good things and the bad things and tinker, as you just said. For sure. It's a lot of work to get a campaign up and running. And so unfortunately, that's not where the work ends. <laughs> now, I think a lot of times, though, people are so on to the next where there's just so much on their plate and it's coming at you. And it's hard to actually dive in and measure and and do that play and kind of figure it out because you're racing out of the gate to get the next thing just checked off and done. Yes, exactly. Uh, I forever hear in the back of my mind, the motto of what gets measured matters. 
And you really got to take that approach in marketing and very closely measure and watch the analytics and see how you can fix things and improve and, you know, not give up so easily and move on to the next shiny object. And this may sound, I don't know, simplistic because, you know, people listening may be like, oh, sure. After a campaign, you just go and you look at it, you measure it. There's a lot to measuring on that. So what's your approach when you actually are trying to figure out how a campaign works? Sure. Well, initially, of course, before you really launch any kind of digital marketing campaign strategy, tactical plan, you do really want to take the time to set some goals. Uh, Not something we always think about, especially if you're a small business or an entrepreneur and a smaller team running your marketing, you do want to think about what does a successful outcome look like so that you know uh, what kind of benchmarks to have in place and what what does success look like for you. And um, in doing that from that point, you know, knowing what success looks like. uh, For me personally, I have a list of things that I go through for each marketing channel. So are we looking at email? You know, what are all the things that we can A-B test? Can we A-B test subject lines, um, certain segments of an email list, um, preview copy, call to actions for click-throughs? There's so much that you can essentially test in every marketing platform, uh, not just email. You can do the same thing in SMS and then Facebook ads, copy, ads, audience, mm-hmm. calls to action different buttons, different landing pages. Uh, so there, there is a lot that you can certainly tinker with, which I realize as I say, that sounds extremely overwhelming too. Uh, so if you take that approach of, oh, this is a fun video game, uh, it can kind of help you get over that overwhelm. And so besides the tinkering and the measuring, how else do you step forward to make sure your campaigns are successful when you're launching them? Like when you're starting to work with a client, what's the first step um, to figuring it all out? Sure. I would say the first step, whether it's digital marketing, any marketing, you do need to know who your audience is. I know sounds so obvious and basic, but a lot of people don't really know. They have an idea uh, and it's a vague idea, but you want to get so specific, as specific as possible to know who that audience is. And then the second most important piece that is very helpful, you know, especially if you're outsourcing your marketing and hiring someone to do it for you. But there's a, a lot of companies I work with that haven't really thought through what their product is or what they're selling. Like they know what it is, but they don't know what's the value of it. What is the benefit for the end user? And sure, you you might know that in your head, but thinking through how that translates to copy and you know what is your messaging as a company? That is important to know uh, when getting started. Honestly, those two things are pretty crucial for any marketer to just be able to pick up and do anything, put together successful email campaigns, Facebook ads, whatever the case may be. And so when you're working right now with Ice Cream Social, and obviously you're not as an agency, you have your own business, it's the own ticketing. You know, how are you guys 
really figuring out who the customer base is for all the varied events that are out there and how to best target for that. Sure. So when I'm working with different events, one, we will take a look at who have all their previous customers been, you know, what kind of first party data were they able to collect, you know, via checkout or anything like what information do we have to build profiles on who these people are coming to events? And I've worked on everything from, you know, your fun runs to lantern festivals, to circuses, to music festivals. And so each of those all have very different audiences, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so starting with who your current customer base is, maybe even sending an email or social media post to just learn more information about them and solicit feedback is very helpful if you're just honestly not sure. Uh, The second piece is I also work with a lot of first-time events who don't know exactly who their customer is, but they think they do or they have um, a similar event style that, you know, maybe we can start with. So there is just some research involved. And sometimes when you're first starting it out, it can be a matter of throwing spaghetti against the wall. Uh, But that is where the great thing about social media ads is you can get pretty, pretty detailed in who your audience is and test it for a very small amount of money before, you know, spending all your budget on one audience set. And so where, you know, besides hitting the wrong audience, where do other people also go wrong with their digital marketing? If you're not aligned to your correct target, how else can you kind of mess it up? Sure. I'm going to throw out some pretty obvious ones, but they are mistakes that I've made over my almost 20 year period mistakes that have made my stomach hurt and just want to pass it on. (laughs) Sometimes it's like the smallest little things that get overlooked or done that you're just like, what the hell? How could I have missed that? And then you want to shout from the roof to everyone else and say, don't do this. So that's great. Yes. Um, And especially as you're building these campaigns, you put so much love and labor into them and you launch, uh, some of these things can get overlooked pretty easily. So I would say, number one, triple check your budgets that you set on any kind of advertising platform. So let's say Meta, you can set your budgets at a campaign level or an ad set level. You want to triple check that because one, sometimes as we know, these ads managers can be a little buggy. Uh, Secondly, sometimes you can accidentally add an extra zero at the end of those numbers, or uh, sometimes you can get your end date wrong. Um, So in my experience, I accidentally set an end date wrong and I spent all my budget in three days instead of 30 days. So that was a a pretty big mistake that I felt pretty hard. Uh, And it was just perfect storm, which takes you to the next mistake. If you are running social ads, these are things that you need to keep a pulse on and check in at least daily, even if it's for two minutes, because I said it, took a long weekend vacation, came back on Monday and things were not good. 
Uh, so that was a hard lesson to learn, but yeah. one I will never forget. And you won't uh, do it again. Never. No. no. <laughs> Set it and forget it is not in line with pretty much anything you can do in marketing. Yes. And for anyone, if you are a large enough business, or I would just say this, you know, I've always worked with agencies or, you know, have some sort of metrics in place. Granted, this mistake was not as huge where I needed this, but something like errors and omissions insurance, in case you were to ever do this, if you are a marketer and you do this with a client and you accidentally spend $100,000 instead of $10,000, something like an insurance that might help you out in those cases for mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, those could be pretty helpful if you want to look into that. Um, I would say the other really big mistake that I've made before is spelling grammar errors in an ad, you know, copy that appears on an ad for a large company. Um, you I feel like a total idiot when that happens. And it yeah. happens to everyone. Like it's such an easy mistake to make, especially when you have looked at these ads over yeah. and over and over again through like a review process. And like, eventually you just glaze over because you've seen it so many times that you miss the absolute most obvious. Uh, so now at the very, very least, I always use Grammarly. So I suggest investing into Grammarly if you don't, yeah. or uh, depending on the client, how much we're spending, how large they are, I will for sure hire a professional proofreader to proofread everything before it's published. Um, even after it's gone through many reviews with the client and internal reviews, at the end of that, at final approval, I'll still send it to a proofreader. There is a company, and I only remember it because they did email. I Not email, sorry. They do um, hard mail, or they used to do mm -hmm. hard mail um, marketing campaigns. And their name, and I will give them a shout out, it's um, Bulletproof. And their well, website is Bulletproof Online. And it's a proofreading service. Okay. And the reason I love them, and my team just thought I was probably insane all these years, where they send out just a flat, you know, cardboard, something that is like a third of a letter size. Mm -hmm. And one side is bright red. And it has a phrase that's kind of funny on it. And you look at it and then you see all the things that are wrong with it, but you don't see it at first. And it shows you how easy it is to like overlook this stuff. Like at our agency, we mandate, especially for social copy or anything that's going out, that's going to be published, that we have to have someone else's eyes on something too. And that there's an accountability system in process because I do it and I'm a good writer and I'm on top of my stuff usually, and it's easy to mess up. It is so easy. Also, we live in this world of like an autocorrect where sometimes it does not autocorrect properly. In the right way. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I agree. So, but yeah, the proofreading is just, yeah, it helps. Absolutely. And there's big companies that do this wrong and then they get a lot of press about it. And that's not good press. No, I know. I feel for those people that 
published it. I know we always, there's always those jokes on Twitter of like, it's the intern's first day type thing when those mistakes happen. And I really feel for them when it happens. Exactly. So what else? How else do people screw up their marketing? You know, those are pretty basic. I would say one thing that I've been, that I'm currently struggling with and we'll just put it out there and something that, um, I'm viewing as a mistake to kind of get a new filter on how to approach things is um, duplicating what worked over and over again. Now, yes, there's always a strategy. There is a base foundation that will be successful. But at the end of the day, um, you know, that can be like your little recipe for success but you need to continue to dig in year after year, month after month, however long you've been doing this particular strategy that's working really well for you because eventually your results will become stagnant or you'll see a slow, could be very slow, but a slow decline month after month, year over year. And it can be really hard to get out of that mindset of like, this has always worked you know, and sometimes it's not enough to change up your creative or your copy as easy as that sounds. And sometimes you do need to give yourself space to brainstorm and say, how can I take this foundation, but build upon it in a little bit newer way to continue to improve over time rather than just, you know, getting complacent, essentially. And it's easy. Like, again, like going back to what we talked about earlier, like you're like eyes on the goal and just go. And you don't think that you're being complacent. It's just if you're not always going back and revisiting and rejiggering it just a little bit, it's easy for things to go a little bit off the rails and just mess up at one point. Or I mean, even just thinking, okay, three years ago, a 5X return on our ad spend was really, really nice. But if we're still getting, you know, a 5X return today, you know, what can we do to get better? Because things are more expensive. There's more behind the scenes expenses coming through now than maybe before. And so you just want to keep trying to improve. And so any other mistakes that you would like people to avoid along the way? You've shared some good ones. Okay. I have got one more, I think. Just thinking back in my career. So I've worked a lot with influencers and everything from giving someone free product in exchange for a free post or celebrity endorsements or paying teenagers $100,000 for one piece of content, um, all the way down to where ice cream social is really uh, created from of that peer-to-peer referral marketing. So I've kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, worked the gamut across all uh, influencer marketing. And so I would say if you're doing any kind of influencer marketing, and honestly, this could ring true if you're using any kind of photography from the internet, even if you've you know, downloaded it from a special site where you can source free photos, free music, anything like that, you do really need to understand usage rights. 
And are you using that content the way it is meant to be used? And, you know, if you're downloading photos and free imagery and music, you know, you stock videos, you do need to read that fine print um, because you could have content out there that's very successful for you and get the rug pulled out from underneath of you out of nowhere. And then if you're working with influencers, this is something you need to think about before a contract is ever signed, because you want this clearly stated within any kind of contract you put together, you know, how long can you use that content that an influencer creates for you? Can you use it? We've had instances where we can use it for one week, three months, one year, or indefinitely. You do want to make sure that's clearly defined and that you don't overstep any boundaries there. And it's not just even how you use it. It's it, or not just the when you can use it. It's also how you can use it. You're so right. are you allowed to use it and run it as a digital ad? Because the answer is you've taken it off of the social platform that it was originally on. And that's a no-go if it's not in the contract. Or are you allowed to even keep it on the social platform and repost it on your own and mm-hmm. put money behind it? And if yes. you boost it and you don't have rights to boost it, then you're in a heap of trouble. And then the other is if you haven't negotiated to white list it, which would be to keep the social platform so, uh, content on the social platform and secretly behind the scenes mm-hmm. boost it on the influencer's own platform. If you haven't negotiated that, that too is going to cause you a hurdle and a problem. Yes, absolutely. I always preach if an influencer won't allow you whitelisting access, it's almost not worth it for you to even sign that contract if you're paying them. If it's free content, okay, sure. But if you're paying them, if they don't give you whitelisting access, I don't know if it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the things that I've seen, we do influencer marketing where influencers will push back is they think that because the brand is putting dollars behind it that they should be getting more dollars. And so that comes up a lot of times of, you know, is the influencer being compensated fairly if the brand is running out and using this now as a major ad campaign. And you have to look at and understand, you know, how many dollars really are going into there. Were they compensated fairly? So it's a bigger conversation to be had. Yeah. Uh, but you are right, Ashley, like we'll encounter someone who's like, you can't whitelist or you can't boost or you can't. There's so many influencers out there. It's not like when you're working with a celebrity and you only want one celebrity. There mm-hmm. are so many influencers to work with unless they're of that celebrity level that you can easily find someone else to work with you who will be excited to. Absolutely. And in my mind, if this is an ongoing relationship with the influencer or you do not get that whitelisting access, you know, having them post once and it be a blip on the map for you for like one day or one hour spike in traffic or sales, I just, a lot of times it is hard to calculate that that would be profitable for you. And so how can our listeners find out more about Ice Cream Social, especially if they have an upcoming event that they want to be able to figure out how to get people to? Yes, you can learn more about Ice Cream Social at icecreamsocial.io. Perfect. And then I bet you're on LinkedIn as well, if there's any questions they have for you. Yes. Find me on LinkedIn, Ashley Stanford. 
happy to chat. And so Ashley, any last, you know, words like, so more so when you're working with someone who wants to do an event and they come to you and they think that it should just be advertised in one way. Are there multiple ways that really they could be leveraging to get more people to that event? Oh, absolutely. Depending where the event is, you know, makes a big difference um, because every city sells pretty differently and you have to kind of understand that market. Um, is it a first time event? Do people know your name? Um you know, there's a lot that you can do, you know, what's your budget? <laughs> there's a lot of things that we can do from a grassroots perspective in terms of getting the word out there um, on the ground and that sort of thing that can help um, all kinds of things. So it depends on the event, where it's happening, how much time we got. Um, and from there, we kind of work to put together a solid strategy for them. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining today and sharing all of your mistakes and successes along the way. Yes, <laughs> I appreciate you having me, Stacey. Of course. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. It was great to have you here today, and I look forward to chatting with you next week. And until then, if you have any questions about content partnerships with movies or TV shows or product placement or celebrity endorsements or influencer marketing, reach out to me and I'll connect you or jump on a call. Hollywood Branded is the agency and I look forward to chatting with you soon. Take care.